My argument is, is that actually, the, if we live by the standard of God is laid out, the, the true and living God is laid out in the scriptures, it actually provides a better and a more just society for everybody, believer and non-believer. Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Hey, Know Why listeners. Here's part two of our interview with John Noyes. Even through our own nation's history, the standard of what's acceptable or not, what's right and wrong changes so quickly. Um, so, you know, it is when you, when you put it like that, it's kind of scary to think like, well, if we're just basing what's right and wrong on the culture, like what are we getting wrong right now? You know, what are we doing right now? That's unjust because a couple hundred years ago, you know, people may have been saying something was just that now we're horrified at. Um, so yeah. Yeah, there's, like you said, man, there's just got to be, um, there's got to be a standard outside of us. Yeah. And what's, what's, what's actually, I think the most, um, the most powerful thing about this conversation is like, cause, cause I, I know what it's like to hear this from a, from a non-believing perspective. I lived that. And so there's, there's, a, there's going to be an automatic recoil from people in a culture that's, whoa, you want to live according to God's standard. Like, I, I'm not that's not fair. Like why your God not? Well, my argument is, is that actually the, if we live by the standard of God is laid out, the, the true and living God is laid out in the scriptures. It actually provides a better and a more just society for everybody, believer and non-believer. Mm-hmm. Like for example, right? So, so true justice is impartial, right? And, and this is all out of, out of uh, the, the case laws found in Deuteronomy and, and, and the old Testament law. But, but sometimes in, in, in culture, we experience this. Sometimes this partiality is shown to the great, meaning the, 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 um, the, the rich, for example. Yeah. I know this, too, because I've worked in law firms. And if I'm honest, like I won't get into specific cases, but I know for a fact, because I've represented, uh, uh, that my firm has represented these people, the rich get prefer, uh, preferential treatment. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they can afford, I mean, they can afford the $1,000 an hour attorney. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, to to the poor young man, the the the, the, the uh, you know who who has to settle for a public defender, and I'm not bagging on public defenders; their work is hard. But because they have so much of a caseload, they're not able to uh, represent every client as as best as they could if they only had a handful of clients because they're getting paid a thousand dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we see this out in the in the in the culture. You know the and and, um, and and if we were to live uh, by the uh, by the standard of God's law, if we were to live according to this biblical understanding of justice, I think everybody would benefit from it yeah. because God's law it doesn't bend, it doesn't uh, contort to whether you're rich or poor or the haves versus the have-nots. It's it's set in stone, almost quite literally, right? right. <laughs> it's uh it, it's set in stone. And, uh, and, and it protects it, it. I think actually, I actually think God's standard, uh, highlights, puts a, puts a highlight on the poor because there's, um, I mean, there's, there's statutes and, and, and parts of the law that, that, uh, that are specifically telling us to protect certain groups of people because certain groups of people like the poor are vulnerable mm-hmm. to 
um, injustices more so than, than like you or I, for example, I don't really, I don't know where you're at, but I know I, I live a comfortable life in Southern California. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the, the person who's, who, who's not where I'm at economically, uh, is, is at risk of suffering injustices more than me, but that means it's my job. According to God's standard, according to a biblical understanding of justice, it's not one of my jobs to take care of, for example, the widow, the orphan, uh, to visit the prisoners, to take care of these people that are most vulnerable to injustice in society. So God, this standard that we're talking about and this definition of justice, I think actually gives everybody what they actually want, mm-hmm. uh, which is a more just society according to an unchanging standard. And it shines equally on every single person, regardless of uh, race, color, or creed. Yeah. So good. So let's look at some more examples specifically, you know, in Jesus' life, um, can you talk about ways that he personally addressed uh, or exemplified justice during his earthly ministry? And I know it's kind of a two-part question, so you can break this down. <laughs> but um, you know, and was that different than the idea of justice that we see in the Old Testament? And I know a lot of people, if they're familiar with the Old Testament, they can get bogged down by all these laws um, and people tend to look at Jesus differently, but is there actually continuity in the justice that he demonstrates and the justice of the old Testament? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's really deserving of a lot of time because there's a lot of legwork to do, but the, 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 there's a few things that in a short answer, I, I, I think are important to understand. The first thing is, is uh, God is the same today as he has ever been. And he's the same then that he, as he'll ever be. God is unchanging and the standards of God are unchanging. And Jesus didn't shy away from those standards or back off of those standards. The things that God laid out in the old Testament, he actually built on them. And we see this, for example, um, the clearest example of this is, is in Matthew. Uh, I think it's Matthew 12, right? So, so Matthew 12, if you, if you read Matthew 12, about, I don't know, eight verses in 14 verses in or so, um, we, we, we start to see Jesus is being pressed in by these Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the religious establishment, the religious elite are pressing in on Jesus. And they're actually trying to trap him legally, which are all the questions they're asking him have to do with justice in the society that, that, that they're living in. You know, uh, the, the Pharisees, they first, they, 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 they um, talked about, for example, should we pay taxes mm-hmm. to Caesar? Right. And then Jesus says that, that, that verse that most of us just wish, wish he didn't say, right. We were under the Caesar, that which is Caesar's. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind implied in that verse, when we read on the, 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 not everything that Caesar thinks belongs to him, belongs to him, you know? So, and ultimately everything belongs to God. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a side note, but Jesus is touching on these legal issues, these issues having to do with justice. And then he's asked a really, really important question by a, by a young lawyer in verse 28. So, so I think that this is Matthew 12, uh, 28, and I'm not going to read the whole thing or anything, but, uh, this is where the, the lawyer comes and he presses him, presses Jesus about, Hey, what are the most, what's the most important commandment? Mm-hmm. And how's Jesus respond? He says to love God and love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And this is the foundation of biblical justice. All of God's commands, which are God's laws, which is which are the things that we should be living by in order to seek a more just society, they flow out of God's love. And what people, I think, oftentimes, what we oftentimes mess up, 
even as Christians, we confuse the gospel with uh, the law. We, we think that the gospel is loving our neighbor. Loving our neighbor and loving God is the law. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, to do justice is to love not just your, your neighbor, but to love your enemy is the standard that Jesus uses. And he, and he is the only person that has ever lived this out perfectly. So as we survey uh, the New Testament and we watch Jesus's life as he's interacting with people, the, I, I'm thinking of the widow and her might. I'm thinking of um, even, even when the, the disciples, they go to the, to the, they're traveling in the street, right? And they, they ask Jesus about the blind man, they, who sinned him or his parents that he's this way. And Jesus mm-hmm. is like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Jesus is, is setting up a system of justice at every at every opportunity when we look at things through okay love is through the law which is justice uh and the gospel is is not that the gospel is is the literally the good news mm-hmm. of what jesus has accomplished on our behalf but even that is steeped in 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 a sense of justice and actually if you think about the the, the gospel it isn't justice because um we don't get what we deserve. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, we don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so that is in, in a very real sense is actually uh, not justice at all. So our system of uh, justice is based on God's law. And, and it's also, this is the, the second point that I think is really, really important to understand. It doesn't have to be in the red letters to be of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So, so Jesus is a living word of God. And so Jesus is in line with every uh, passage of Scripture, uh, New and Old Testament. He's not just seen in the New Testament; he's seen in the Old Testament. And, and when he came out, he indicated came when he took on flesh. When the second person of the Trinity took on flesh and came out into the culture and the society, he didn't do so to change anything. He actually, if you think about it, the standards that were laid out in the Old Testament, he heightened them. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you have if you have lusted. After another, you should what gouge your eye out, right? Is what he says that he elevates it. Or if if, if you know um, if if you uh, if you've harbored hate in your heart, right? Jesus elevates it. You're a murderer, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so he didn't come to to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. Is what he says. And in fulfilling the law, he is living out a perfect system of justice in in every word that he he says. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's great and. You know, I think it gives us a lot to think about too. And something that I will ask you here in a minute is more resources for people to want to dive in because even now, you know, it's we're just scratching the surface on so much of this. And so it's definitely something that we'll want to revisit, but I think you explain it so well. And I know that we're about out of time and this itself needs to be an entire podcast episode. So I'm prefacing <laughs> that to let you know, like you can give us a, you know, a short version if it's possible. But I know that some people are probably thinking, okay, if God is so just, then why is there so much evil that still <laughs> happens, you know, to, to people who don't deserve it? Um, yeah. So is absolutely. there a soundbite po- possibly <laughs> answer that you can give to that? I, th- yeah, yes, there is, um, two things, this idea that, uh, the, the idea that, 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 uh, bad things happen to good people and specifically like, why do people get sent to hell or why do people punish, um, in this life, they suffer evil. Uh, we live in a, in a world that we corrupted and, and corrupted people produce corrupted situations. 
And, and we're naive, I think, oftentimes when we think that the, the, the sins of others don't, the, our sins, our mess, messing ups don't affect other people's lives. They do. So oftentimes I think we, we place uh, what is our responsibility at the feet of God. Oftentimes we, we suffer because of our own actions. <laughs> and it also stems out of the, the understanding, and this is really harsh to say, but I'm going to say it because I think it's important. Um, it stems, I think this question oftentimes comes out of the understanding that we are somehow deserving of more than we get, where I think it's actually the opposite. When I look at God's grace and his mercy, even in my own life, I, I, I have received uh, an amazing amount of grace and mercy in my own life when I'm completely undeserving. Uh, of it. And so God often gives us, like we said before, he gives us what we don't deserve, you know, and, and this is an amazing thing. I'm not deserving of heaven. I'm deserving of judgment, but God is, is, is rich in his mercy and his grace that he's not that he, he's, he's saved uh, his people. And okay. So now let's, that, that's like the, the preface, like just theological, I think, grounding that we need to understand. I think that, I think what happens also is that this question flows out of, uh, we have a, in, in the West in particular, we have a, a terrible theology of suffering, mm. right? Jesus, Jesus says that you will, in this world, you have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. He says it, he prefaces it by saying to give you peace in these things, because he just, he just leveled uh, a bunch of hard stuff on the new, on, on, on new hard news on the, on the disciples. So now he's kind of comforted his disciples and he's, and say, hey, listen, you're going to suffer, but you should be expecting to suffer because guess what? We serve a, a, a suffering God. And, and, and this life is hard. I, I mean, I'm sure you and your listeners, we've all realized that life is difficult by now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really hard. And um, I want to I be an encouraging here. My last comment here is a, is a word of encouragement. And uh, this is something uh, that I think is really important. Oftentimes we think that um, but when, when I say we have a terrible theology of suffering, we don't understand that God actually uses the suffering. The suffering that we go through is essential to our spiritual growth. And uh, for example, okay, so Paul says, uh, in, in, in light of all his suffering, he says, these are about momentary light afflictions producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. He says two things, right? The suffering that we go through in this world, this side of heaven, it's momentary. And so this is... Um, when somebody, when I'm going through suffering and somebody comes up to me, it's akin to like somebody come and put their armor, hey, this too shall pass. Well, that's not really helpful. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever, you know, yeah. but it's true. But it's true, especially on the timeline of heaven. Mm-hmm. Like when we put this on the timeline of glory, our suffering that we go through now pales in comparison to the glory that's found in Christ Jesus is what Paul says. And then those, that's the first thing. So this stuff's going to pass. There's hope uh, in our suffering. The second thing is that the suffering that we go through produces something in us that otherwise wouldn't be there. The mm-hmm. suffering that we go through is ultimately preparing us to shoulder the burden of glory. One day, if you're a Christian right now, if you claim the name of Christ, if you believe, if, if you confess to you with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, you will be saved, is what Paul says. If that's you, you're a Christian. And if you're a Christian, uh, that means one day you, you're going to be ruling and reigning in, in new creation alongside King Jesus. We are fellow heirs with Christ. We're going to be giving charge of angels. And it's our suffering. It's, 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 it's the suffering, this side of glory, that's going to prepare us for that. Um, oftentimes, we don't think that we learn. Like, I mean, we learn from suffering more than we learn from joy. If, you, if we survey our lives, 
almost every important lesson that I've ever learned has come through a, a trial, mm-hmm. not through a, a, I mean, everything is going perfectly. Uh, and and I'll, I'll finish with this, but Lewis, I love C.S. Lewis. And I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase it, but I think I'm pretty close. He says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pains. Mm. Pain is God's megaphone to arouse a death world. When Jesus was asked about what seemed to be gratuitous suffering by his disciples, a tower, the tower of Siloam fell and crushed all of these people. And his disciples were like, God, I mean, Jesus, what what is this? Like they Mm -hmm. suffered. Jesus didn't use that opportunity to offer a free will defense. He didn't offer the, what he did is he used it to call people to himself. He says, unless you repent, you will likewise suffer. And he calls his disciples to, and the people around him to repentance through the suffering. So God's, uh, the, the God allows the pain and the suffering to first to prepare us for glory, to allow us to grow spiritually. And second, he uses it as a, as a call to himself because it's when things, when we're in desperate need, um, that's when we cry out to God. If we think about the culture, one of the reasons, one of the hardest objections as a Christian apologist that I face, it, it, it's not even, it's not an intellectual objection. It's not a problem of evil. It's apathy. It's just people not caring. And one of the reasons why I think people don't care is because all of their needs are provided in our culture for the most part. We, we have a perception that we don't need God. Mm-hmm. But then if you go to cultures where there is rampant suffering and there's persecution and, 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 and faith costs something, we see the church exploding. Well, why is that? Well, because the, the suffering cries out for the need for, for a savior, a rescuer. And, um, and I think that we all need to be rescued. We just need to come to realize that and suffering helps that. Yeah. That was a lot. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, that was so good. And I think that that's just given us, you know, so much to think about. Uh, there's so much wisdom that you have shared. Thank you for sharing your own story. Um, thank you for talking about justice and what biblical justice looks like and how Jesus uh, lived that out. And then, you know, giving us things to think about when it comes to the problem of evil and suffering. Um, So for people who want to dive deeper into anything that we've talked about, do you have any resources that you recommend? And by the way, anything that you uh, mentioned will link on knowwhypodcast.com. Yeah, sure. There's a, there's a couple of great books. Um, So I read pretty, my recommendation is to read widely and broadly. Don't read just stuff that you agree with, read things that you disagree with. Mm. So I just want to preface, like I don't agree with everything in every one of these books I'm going to mention, but I think they're worthwhile. Um, and the first one that really affected me on this issue of justice was free at last. And it's a question mark. And it's, um, it's written by the, the author's last name is Ellis. So it's Carl F. Ellis, and he wrote Free at Last. And I thought it was just, a, it's a great book. He's a Christian, mm-hmm. um, and I just thought it's a great book. There's another book called, uh, it, it actually turned into a movie, but read the book. Uh, just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, I thought was fantastic. Um, there's one that's not just to do with justice, but just kind of the culture, and it's called The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. Mm-hmm. And um, he's he's not a believer, as far as I know. I think he might be an atheist, but he's he's he he offers wonderful commentary on some of these things. Um, then there's a there's a fantastic book uh, by it's Ken Witzma, and the last name is W uh, Y T S M A, and it's called Pursuing Justice. Fantastic book. Um, 
And uh, so I would, I would, st- I think that's probably pretty good, but I'd start there. I'm looking actually at my bookshelf right now and like all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, those, those are great places to start. Now, if you don't want to read a book, um, on Stand the Reasons website, I've written a number of blogs on justice, um, laying out some of the principles in more detail. Uh, they're 800 words or less. So they're what a five or 10 minute read. Um, so at str.org, you can just search justice in the search bar. And then also on our website at STR, we have um, a thing called STR University, STRU, where the, it's all free. All of this is free. Um, and there are classes and uh, courses made up by a number of classes. And we do a ton of these on everything from, from abortion to homosexuality to uh, why apologetics. And I recorded one last year on biblical justices. I think it's a six or a seven part um, video series and it's totally free and it's on our website, which I can send you guys a link to, so you can link to it. Okay, but great. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Those, it, it, it's a good series. Those all sound like great resources, wonderful uh, book recommendations that I'm excited to look at. And then um, the, the resources on your website, str.org as well. So definitely if you're listening, check out knowwhypodcast.com. We always have show notes to go along with our episodes and we'll link all of these resources so that you can go there and find them. And uh, John, just thanks again for joining the Know Why Podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for doing this. You're doing the hard work. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening to the Know Why Podcast.